Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Unnecessary Roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. Hello, Raider Nation. It's Damon Cotton. Q Myers will be in shortly as he is still making the trek from Allegiant Stadium over to Thomas and Mac as the show is going to be broadcast live from the NBA Summer League. And the reason Q was over at Allegiant Stadium, of course, was for the introductory press conference of the Raiders' new team president, Sandra Douglas Morgan. And you know, here at Raider Nation Radio, Q being the head guy in charge, couldn't miss that, not for a second. So Q, you know, obviously over at Allegiant Stadium and still making the drive over to the Thomas and Mac. And when Q gets here, this show is going to be running just as smoothly, but you're going to be rocking with Demond the Boss. And if you do want to call up the show, you can at 702-365-9200, or you can text the show using the Sam and Ash text line at 69187. Or if you want to be involved on Twitter, you can tweet at us at rnr 920 am and I am Demond underscore the boss on Twitter as well. And we're going to play the full introductory press conference. I know you probably listened to it live if you're still following from JT The Brick Show. So, But if you're new and you're just now listening and joining us here on r 920, we are going to play the full press conference of Raiders team president Sandra Douglas Morgan. So we're going to have that for you in a little bit. And our guest today, we have Justin Mello from the Draft Network. He's released two recent pieces with involving Trayvon Merrick and the production that he thinks that he's going to have an uptick this coming season. And is there going to be a drop-off with Devontae Adams in his production? So around 2.30, hopefully Q will be back for that. But if not, I will man that solo. That'll be ready at 2.30, Justin Mello from the Draft Network. And then at 3 o'clock, we've got Bucky Brooks from the NFL Network. He recently released a piece on Raiders.com. And we're going to have him. He's calling in at 3 o'clock as well. So not a stacked show, but we have two great guests. And then there's the news of the day. The Raiders hiring their new team president, the first African-American president in the NFL, first woman African-American president in the NFL. So the Raiders continue to make history here. And it's just one of those things where Q says it all the time. The Raiders don't need a Rooney rule or a minority rule because the Raiders just always do what's right. They're always thinking forward and pushing forward. And this is just such a progressive organization. I did not have any inside info or any inside knowledge on who the new team president was going to be. So when I saw the announcement today, I think Mick Akers from the Review Journal leaked it out a little bit before the press conference actually started. But it was a shock. But not only I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised, if you can say that. Because the Raiders are known for doing these things, such a progressive organization in the NFL, which has been known as a boys club. But you see with Amy Trask and now Sandra Douglas Morgan being the team president as well, Mark Davis following in his father's footsteps and not afraid to make a hire that's a little bit outside of the box, a little bit unconventional, something that you haven't seen in the NFL before. And it's something great and it's something that 
it's fantastic to see with this Raiders organization. And without further ado, let's jump into the opening drive and let's hear from Sandra Douglas Morgan and Mark Davis. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. It's a great and historic day to be a Raider. For the past 10 months, we've been searching for the next president of the Raider organization, someone who could lead us into the future. We talked to a number, a number of qualified candidates, but one person kept coming to the top of the list. And I'm proud to introduce to you today the president of the Las Vegas Raiders, Sandra Douglas Morgan. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for such a warm um, introduction. It's my honor to be here today as the newest member of the Raiders family. As I shared with the team earlier today, I was raised in Las Vegas and have truly witnessed this city ascend to one of the sports capitals of the world, um, visited by millions across the globe. And it is an honor of a lifetime to serve as the president of this organization. The Raiders, or the Raiders organization has actually brought $2.29 billion in economic impact of visitors for events in Allegiant Stadium. And the estimated impact of the Super Bowl in 2024 is estimated to be in the billions as well. We have so much more to do, and I'm excited to be at the helm of that growth and look forward to ushering in the new chapter for the Raiders. Thank you, Mark, for your faith in me to lead this organization in this very important moment. I'm very grateful that my dearest, dearest friends and family, my parents, husband, children, and nephews could be here today. Um, your support means the world to me, and I do not take it for granted. Football has long been in my family. Uh, my husband is an NFL veteran. He was a strong safety for two teams I won't mention because we're all a part of Raider Nation today. Um, and I have a long history in the sports, entertainment, and gaming industries. I have served on the Nevada State Athletic Commission, and most recently I was chairwoman of the Nevada Gaming Control Board. But I've also always felt a passion for community and protecting our community, which I did day in and day out while serving with the state's COVID-19 task force. I've lived in Las Vegas for over 40 years. My father is an um, Air Force veteran and retired at Nellis. I attended preschool here and did all of my schooling here and graduated from El Dorado High School. I'm deeply, deeply passionate about this community and the people that I have the privilege to encounter every day. I've served on a number of boards that have helped people throughout the region and the state. And I strongly believe that each one of us has a role to play in mentoring and supporting our community's most vulnerable. And the responsibility that we share in this Raiders organization to make an everlasting and positive impact on this community. So when Mark and I first discussed this opportunity, I was honored and humbled, but I also had a lot of questions. It's no secret that this organization has faced some recent challenges. But I wanna be clear, I am not here to sweep anything under the rug or avoid problems or concerns that need to be addressed. The fact is I accepted this role because I believe in the promise of the Raiders. I believe in the future of the Raiders. And I believe in this organization's tenets of integrity, community, and most of all, commitment to excellence. I believe in the Davis family's legacy of celebrating and promoting diversity in every sense of that word. I believe in this community that we now call home that has embraced this team with open arms. 
It is not lost on me that this is a critical and defining moment in the NFL. It's important to me and it is my intention to make a meaningful contribution well beyond the Raiders family. And I'm excited to get started. I had an opportunity to meet uh, Dave Ziegler and Coach McDaniels, and I know that the experience and the enthusiasm they bring will help this team build on one of the best seasons in Raiders' recent history. Reaching the playoffs was an incredible accomplishment, and let's not forget, we want that home field advantage when we host the Super Bowl in 2024. The greatness that we see on that field, my goal is to replicate that throughout this organization. That culture of winning, of teamwork, and transparency will be a part of everything we do. It will be how we continue to fulfill our promise to be a part of the fabric of the Las Vegas community and bring a new generation of fans into Raider Nation. I mentioned how this team changed the landscape here. Just five years ago, who would have thought that we would have hosted the Pro Bowl, the draft, and now the Super Bowl? This beautiful house that we've built will be the catalyst for so many more global sports and entertainment events and create jobs and continue to feed our economy. So we all have the honor and more importantly the responsibility of playing a major role in making sure Las Vegas remains the sports and entertainment capital of the world and rest assured this is just the beginning. So I really want to thank Mark for entrusting me with the authority to lead this team and to craft a world-class organization that will make us even stronger. The Raiders have a long legacy of greatness and of bold moves because of the people behind the scenes and those on the field and because of visionaries like Mark and his father Al. I look forward to fulfilling the promise of two legacies and one future for Raider Nation and Las Vegas. Thank you. At this time, we'll open it up for some questions from the media. We have microphones on either side. Please raise your hand and state your name and affiliation when you ask a question. Well, hi there. Welcome. Glad to see you here, Sandra, and, and to uh, Mark Davis. Thoughts on, first of all, being from Las Vegas. You said more than 40 years here. How important that is to help relate to the community. Usually we see a lot of out-of-town executives come here and run sports teams. Now you're the first local to be able to do that. And a semi-serious question, but joking a little bit. How, how soon, you would be the per perfect person to ask this question. How soon till we see gaming kiosks here at Allegiant <laughs> Stadium for betting on football games? Oh, goodness. Either one of you, what's the over and under on that one? What do you think? Uh, uh, I know I'm not supposed to start with this, but no comment on that. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a very interesting layered question, but I, I don't know how quickly that's going but to Vegas, come. But the Vegas connection, yeah, certainly, absolutely. what that means for you and Mark for the team. Do you want to take first, or do you want me to? Again, the the, the Las Vegas connection was a, not a criteria, but it was something that was a, on the positive side of the ledger. Um, obviously, somebody that knows this community, knows the people in it, I think is very important for us to continue to build our foundation in Las Vegas. Um, we've been here really about four, four and a half years uh, trying to build build bridges within the community and everything else. And uh, I think having Sandra here who knows the community as well as she does is going to be a very important part of helping that process. Yeah. And Ron, as, as you know, a local who grew up here, this is a dream come true. This wouldn't have been possible for someone in Las Vegas to have an opportunity to lead a professional sports organization more than three years ago. Um, so, you know, the the opportunity that Mark has, has granted and just being a part of the Raiders is obviously an incredible privilege, but it's just as important that he understands the value that I could bring as well.
More questions, guys? This is going to be easier than that employee. Was, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you all later. Yeah. Hi, Logan Reaver, also with uh, Channel 8 here. Hi. Uh, to be the first black female in this role and kind of to, you know, set that pavement for future generations, just what goes through your head on that, uh, you know, maybe an emotional side of things? Yeah. You know, um, I have been the first in, in other positions that I've held, whether it be city attorney or the gaming control board. I definitely never want to be the last. And I went to get to a point, obviously, where there is no, no more first. Um, but as I kind of mentioned in my comments, you know, the, the impact that this has is not lost on me. If I definitely would tip my hat to all of the former, uh, not former, prior women that were leaders and visionaries, and if I could be an inspiration or help or open doors for any other woman and girl out there, then um, that's, that's an incredible accomplishment for me. So the importance and effect of it is not lost on me. And I know that sports is a male-dominated industry, just as gaming was. And, you know, we need to continue to break down these barriers. So I'm, I'm happy to be here and, again, thankful for the opportunity. Adam Hill, Las Vegas Review Journal. Obviously, you're, you've worked in a variety of different roles. Your resume is extensive. Um, and you've worked in sports with the Athletic Commission and, and sports betting uh, that you've worked with. But a professional sports franchise, what are the kind of the unique challenges that may you know be presented there that um, your past history kind of helps with but maybe is also different? Sure. Well, I, I I've been an attorney for 20 years, but I have led and managed very large teams, uh, managing, you know, budgets of hundreds of millions of dollars. I've had the honor of serving on boards of public companies that have market capitalization of over billions of dollars. And so I think my um, business acumen will definitely benefit the Raiders. I think my community contacts here will assist a lot of our stakeholders and um, partners. I've had to deal with maybe in a different role as a regulator, but just as important here with the Raiders. I definitely will lean on and can't wait to, to work with uh, Dave Ziegler and Coach McDaniels as well. I know that their expertise on the football side is a tremendous asset to the Raiders. Um, there's been a, a lot of changes over the last six months, but I know that Mark has made those intentionally and just really looking forward to the future. Uh, Alan Snell with LVSportsBiz.com. I'm to your right. Hi. A couple questions. You referred to challenges in your opening remarks. What specifically were you referring to about the challenges? And number two, um, I think you're um, a director with Allegiant and Caesars, which are existing sponsors of the team. What will that be like with that relationship? Well, to start with your last question, I do believe my board service um, on those two companies that you mentioned show my commitment really to the community. And those two companies have, um, have created wonderful investments in Nevada as well. So I actually think it's a benefit. Um, we'll continue to... Um, monitor that if there's an issue obviously those boards know that the Raiders are my first priority um, remind me of your first question oh the challenges challenges look there's I'm there's it's really no secret that there's been some reports about turnover um, my number one goal is to meet with each and every employee which I had an opportunity to meet the employees uh, many of them um, this afternoon or this morning and uh, making sure that our Raider family is strong our house will be strong, will be in order to ensure that we can continue to be um, benefit and provide world-class entertainment um, for this community. More questions? I'm just laughing with Al. He was after me last night for oh. <laughs> about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's going to be Sandra. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi, Sandra. Sean McAllister with uh, Vegas Revealed. First of all, congratulations. Uh, secondly, what is your playbook for strengthening the ties with the Las Vegas community? Do you have specific plans right now? I will be meeting with each of our partners and our sponsors um, to see what we can do to continue those to enhance those relationships. This is a success. I mean, I am really walking into an organization that has international brand recognition and has been respected in sports and outside of sports. And so it's not like I'm coming in with a difficult, <laughs> difficult position. Again, I'm honored that I was given this opportunity. So anything I can do to continue to keep and raise the bar, that's what I'm going to do. So I, do, I don't have a necessary playbook, but if I did, I probably wouldn't share it with you right now. Um, <laughs> but definitely just strengthening those relationships and making sure that we continue to grow the fan base of Raider Nation. That's my um, number one priority. Thanks. More questions from the media? Okay, well, thank you, everyone. Photographers, please approach the podium for a photo op. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. So there it was right there, and uh, welcome into Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. We're live at the Thomas and Mack Center for Summer League, and you just heard right there the introductory press conference for new Raiders president Sandra Douglas Morgan. Very historical day in the NFL. Uh, another historical day and another uh, notch on the belt. Not that that's what they're going for, but just another uh, big, big deal for the silver and black and, and, and for the Raiders moving forward, just what this means today. Uh, this is a really big deal. Uh, and, and Sandra Douglas Morgan, let's make no mistake about it, as I had a few minutes to talk to Mark Davis after the, after the press conference was over, and we might be able to get to some of that audio here in the show. But, I mean, that wasn't a priority. It was breaking ground. I mean, she's the first black woman to be a president of any NFL team. I mean, let that soak in. That's not, a, that's not the number one priority but it's still something that cannot be ignored. That is a big deal. But her resume is incredible. And when I first got word of the fact that she was going to be the next team president, I started doing some research and started looking at that resume and started looking at those accolades that she had. I could not help but one, smile, two, be impressed, and three, say, yeah, I think this is going to be a good one. Now, of course, everyone you know, always wants to – win the press conference, and I think she did that, as you just heard the press conference. And, uh, you know, Mark Davis had a lot of glowing re remarks about her. And the one thing uh, I have learned in the past, I would say, hour and a half about Sandra Douglas Morgan is nobody in town, no matter who it is that you talk to, has a bad thing to say about her. And, and that was something that, that stood out to me from everyone that spoke about her, from Mark Davis to others that were just around town, other folks like Adam Hill from the Review Journal, Ed Graney, who's on their show with us here all the time on Radio Nation Radio 920. Everybody has glowing remarks. And we even talked to her briefly after I just introduced myself, you know, shook her hand, and uh, Ed told her, like, hey, there's nobody around town that has anything bad to say about you. Everyone likes you. What's your secret? And she said, well, there's somebody around that doesn't like me. But, you know, for the most part, she treats everyone very kind. She treats them with respect, but she's about her business. And I think that that's so important when it comes to the Raiders and the new direction that this team is going to be moving forward. And so very excited to see this new chapter. Uh, you know, I, I've only been here in Las Vegas. I say it all the time for a little bit less than a year. And I'll tell you, uh, there's been a lot of, of new. There's a lot of groundbreaking moments as far as, you know, they bring in a new, a new GM. They bring in a new head coach. They bring in a whole new front office for the most part. And everything is really turning over and, and getting to where it needs to be and really getting tightened up. And one thing that Mark Davis said to us, and, again, if I get an opportunity to get to that audio here on the show, I definitely will. But one thing that he said to us was the Raiders as an organization, he hears the report and reads the reports and hears us talking on the radio that, you know, there's, there's uh, you know, 
know, there's a few chinks in the armor and that there's a few issues going on with the organization. And we hear about the, the workplace and the environment's not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, we all have read the reports. We've had people on the show talking about it, right? He hears all that. And the one thing he said is there was, within the organization, it became very corporate. And it's funny because he's, he said that, and I paused for a second, because what have we always said about the Raiders? They're ran very mom-and-pop-like. But he said, and this was his explanation, I thought it was fantastic, that it became very corporate. And what he meant by that is that the title meant more than the person that had the title. So he said the, the title was S, SVP, Senior Vice President. Okay, we can go get a SVP for anywhere. Okay, we can go get a president anywhere. Okay, we can go get this HR person anywhere. The titles ended up becoming more important than the people that were actually holding those titles. And that's what he had. And that is something that stood out to me in a major way. Again, going to try to get that uh, Mark Davis audio to you in the second hour of the show as we are here live at Summer League. And uh, we're at this fancy setup right now, and it's so funny because I am a radio dude through and through. I have nothing to do with TV. I have nothing to do with YouTube. I don't have any of that. So right now i got like 18 different cameras looking at me, and I don't have any idea what the hell I'm supposed to be looking at. <laughs> I don't have any idea where I'm supposed to be looking. But I'm looking, and it, it looks pretty cool. I, I'm looking at myself on the TV in front of us, and, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. But uh, excited about the start of Summer League. This is the first day, and, of course, it's going to go for quite a while, and we're going to do a bunch of shows here, man. We're, we're so excited about the opportunity to do a bunch of shows here. We do it each and every year, and, uh, of course, you get to see the, the, the great, bright, young talent that is coming into the NBA, and this is, this is one of these events that I've seen as just a – a kid growing up coming to summer league, just watching as an NBA fan, I saw it at, at, at its infancy and now to see it where it's at right now and how big and massive it is. And I even remember back just a year ago where we were doing our show, we were just doing our show from the concourse and we had a nice little table and had our backstop up and, and that was cool. A little tablecloth. And that's cool. But this <laughs> with all the fancy lights, with the cameras, with the TVs in front of me, with the little, I don't know. Whatever we're sitting in front of, I mean, this is this is uh, this is fancy, man. So uh, very excited about our opportunity that we're going to have out here. We have a lot to get to on today's show. We're kind of helter skelter, and I, I got to give a lot of props to my guy Demon, who's back in the home studio. And Demon, I do appreciate you for getting everything started, man. I know it's been a little crazy today, but I think we survived the the, the biggest storm that came flying through the, the the Lotus Broadcasting Studios earlier today, and my attempts to get over to Allegiant Stadium and also get over back here to Thomas and Mac for summer league. Q, I'll tell you right now, I didn't have a worry in the world. Demond, is he here? <laughs> I, I knew that this was going to go swimmingly. Yeah, you, I'm glad you didn't, brother. <laughs> yeah, not a doubt in my mind. And look at it. And here you are. And we got the show going. Okay. I'm glad you – I mean, look, I'll tell you. Yeah, no, no doubt. But it, it, was, it, it wasn't because of a lack of effort. And like I said, you did a fantastic job making sure everything uh, on your end was taken care of. And I did everything I could to, to get stuff on my end taken care of. And – uh, man, it, was, it, it wasn't easy, but we, we found a way to maintain, and uh, that's exactly the definition of teamwork. So uh, I definitely appreciate that and appreciate you having that, uh, that press conference queued up. And uh, like I said, man, we got a lot of good stuff to get to on today's show. Very excited about the guests that we have. We just have a couple guests lined up on the show. Uh, Justin Mello from the Draft Network, he's actually going to join us in the next segment. He put out a piece on the draftnetwork.com about Trayvon Merrick and how he expects him to really thrive under Patrick Graham. So I'm excited about that. We've been talking about the defense quite a bit. And then also he put out a piece about Devontae Adams and how he doesn't expect any drop-off where we heard, you know, Brett Favre the other day talking about he expects a little bit of drop-off from Adams, you know, because Carr is not Rodgers, which I don't think any of us disputed and said that he was. But 
it still kind of raised a few eyebrows. So Justin put out a couple of good pieces on the Draft Network that uh, we're going we're gonna to talk to him about coming up in a matter of minutes. And then at 3 o'clock, Bucky Brooks from NFL.com, he's going to join the show. He put out a, a piece a few weeks ago on Raiders.com about Alex Leatherwood and also about Trayvon Merrick. And so I uh, just want to get his thoughts on the Raiders, uh, the youth on the team, like a Trayvon Merrick, like a Alex Leatherwood, you know, like a Malcolm Coons, a Divine Diablo, guys like that, the young dudes on the squad, even a Max Crosby, who, by the way, he was in a 10 as well uh, at the at the uh, presser earlier today at Allegiant Stadium. So he was the one representative as far as the players were concerned. So that was cool cool to see him. We got a couple minutes with Mad Max Crosby. So, again, maybe I'll let you hear that throughout the course of the show as well. So uh, the doors are open here at the Thomas & Mack. Folks are starting to, to roll in. And I'll tell you, before we take a quick break, that was the – the biggest issue for me, I, uh, I found a way to, to get our credentials. Our credentials aren't quite, aren't quite printed yet, so they gave us a wristband. We got in, and then I started to get in. The, I started to go to the door, the normal door that you go to get into this place, and it was all taped off. It was like a crime scene. I was like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> How did he get in this place? And then I realized I had to walk like a country mile, so I should have actually been a little bit more strategic. I should have parked in the better location, and then I wouldn't have had to walk so far. But, hey, man, we made it work. Got here a few minutes earlier than even expected, right? Didn't even expect to be here as early as we, we were able to. And, uh, Damon, you did a fine job back in the home studios making sure we did what we did and we were on the air when we're supposed to be. We should be signing off around 4, maybe 4.05, maybe 4.15. Not quite sure exactly what time we're going to sign off because we do have, uh, upon further review, with Eddie Pascal and then Aviator Baseball. So we'll sign off a little bit early today, similar to what we did last week. But, we're going to be locked and loaded. We want to hear from you throughout the course of the show, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200, and the Salmon Ash text line is 69187, keyword R&R. But coming up next, again, we are live at Summer League. We're going to be talking to Justin Mello from the Draft Network, talking all things Trayvon Merrick and Devontae Adams. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the, just the jersey or just the, just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about, it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Tell you what it means to be a Raider today, right? Big news when it comes to the silver and black. Sandra Douglas Morgan, the new team president, announced earlier today over at Allegiant Stadium, was over there. Now we're here at Thomas and Mack for Summer League as that gets underway today throughout the uh, course of the next week as well. And we're here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Right now joining us on the phone lines from the Draft Network is our guy Justin Mello at JustinM underscore NFL on Twitter. And, Justin, thank you so much for your time, my man. There was multiple reasons why I wanted to have you on. You put out a couple different pieces on the Draft Network, one about Devontae Adams, one about Trayvon Merrick, and I thought both of them were really good. And so Devontae Adams, that piece came out on the 4th of July, and that's on the heels of Brett Favre talking about he thought that Devontae was going to have a little bit of a drop-off, and uh, that was because Derek Carr is not Aaron Rodgers. And I think we all realize that. But you didn't seem to believe that, uh, that there was going to be any drop-off from Devontae Adams. What was, the, what was the biggest key to your reasoning behind thinking Devontae Adams is going to have a stellar season like we're used to seeing? Yeah, well, I think Favre's comments, you know, as you said, were, were certainly fair. That, 
that Carr might not be um, Aaron Rodgers. And look, not a lot of quarterbacks are, right? I, I think we all know that uh, in today's National Football League. But, you know, my counterpoint there was I don't really necessarily think that you have to be Aaron Rodgers in order to, to have Devontae Adams, you know, have that sort of season and have that kind of production. First of all, Derek Carr is a very good quarterback, right? He's a starting caliber franchise quarterback who the Raiders just rewarded, right, with a lengthy contract extension, and rightfully so. So, number one, Derek Carr's a really good quarterback. And number two, you know, I think this is a franchise that's tried really hard to go out and get a dominant boundary receiver over these last couple of seasons, right? Look, they drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round a couple of years ago. The previous regime did that. Obviously, didn't work out. They've had a couple guys in there. You know, they drafted Brian Edwards. They gave Zay Jones uh, a chance to be a reclamation project. None of those guys ended up working out. So what do they do? This new regime comes in. They go out and, and almost immediately make an extremely aggressive move for who I think is the game's best receiver. Uh, you know, today in Devontae Adams. So you don't go out and trade first-round picks for receivers. You don't go out and give them historic, was it, $150 million contract right. um, unless you're planning to really utilize them on an extremely consistent basis. You know, I had written in that article that I could see Devontae getting 170, 180 targets this season, of course, barring health, right? That That's him appearing right. at all. 17 regular uh, regular season contests. So, and that with that being the case, I think they're going to use him a lot in this offense. You play in a division, um, you, you play in a division that is going to, you know, put out a lot of high scoring offenses. You're going to have a lot of high scoring games just within the division, right? Against the Kansas City Chiefs, against the Los Angeles Chargers, and against the new look Denver Broncos, right? So they're going to, I think they're going to throw the football with terrific consistency. You don't have a Certainly a, a, a two thousand yard running back. You probably don't even have a, a you know I don't know that you have a fifteen hundred yard running back, right? With the guys that they have in there, it's probably going to be a bit of a committee in the backfield. So I think they're going to throw the ball with a lot of consistency. You have that chemistry between Derek Carr and Devontae Adams having played together at Fresno State two years. They were both you know extremely productive back then uh, while playing with one another. So I think this is all setting up for a for a monstrous campaign for Devontae Adams in twenty twenty two. You know, it really can be. And one of the factors that I've been trying to talk about and stress to anyone who will listen is the fact that Devontae Adams and both Darren Waller are going to have something that they haven't had in a very long time, and that's single coverage. I mean, how much is that going to help not only Adams but Waller as well? Because they just haven't had that. Right. I mean, I think that's a, that's a great point. Because even looking, ba- looking back at Green Bay, we've all known, you know, for years now, they've struggled to find, you know, a, an appropriate number two receiver opposite Devontae, right? It's been, you know, guys like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So uh, even in Green Bay, he's faced a lot of double coverage, and at times triple coverage, right? We've seen that on tape. So I think that's going to be huge where for the first time, and in, in you can argue a long time, he's going to be playing with some appropriate running mates, right? Guys like Darren Waller, who are elite route runners, are elite, uh, an elite physical specimen that uh, dominates over the middle, right? So that that's going to be huge, and then you got, of course, a guy like Hunter Renfro as well, who's mm-hmm. a thousand-yard receiver last season, right? So you're talking about three, not one, not two, but three really high-level receivers in this offense, high-level teammates. To the point where, you know, I was on the show recently. We're not certain who's going to be the receiver too on the boundary because, you know, hint. I don't know that it really matters, right? <laughs> because you're going to have <laughs> right. Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro taking up 100 percent of the snaps, uh, essentially, in the slot. 
right? Being that he's a slot only player, he's not going to play outside. So, uh, no, I, I think that's a huge, that's a great point on your end where teams are going to really be stretched thin, right? Opposing secondaries, opposing defenses where you, you can't just focus all of your energy on Devontae Adams. You can't just focus all of your energy on Darren Waller, right? And that's in both of their cases, as you just said, that's sort of the first time uh, in a long time that they're going to be playing with that benefit. And I think it's going to lead to huge seasons for both of them. I agree 100%. We're talking with Justin Mello from the Draft Network here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. We're here live at the Summer League, Thomas and Max Center. And uh, one thing that stood out to me about your piece on Devontae Adams is Josh McDaniels, and you said that he knows how to utilize difference makers. That is a big deal. I always go back to play calling, especially with the Raiders' struggles in the red zone. Utilizing a, a difference maker, that's Devontae Adams, that's Darren Waller, that's Hunter Renfro. How do you think McDaniels utilizes those three guys? Well, I think if you look at his history in New England, he's always put his players in ideal situations, right? I mean, look, I, in that article, I went all the way back to Randy Moss. What was it, 2007, where right. before the league was as pass-happy as it was today, it was still uh, you know, a fairly run-heavy league. He had a number one receiver that, that did what he did, right? And Tom Brady threw 50 touchdowns that year, right? Like, it, it was astounding. And that was really, I feel, the one example, or you know, call me crazy, but it might be the one example where in New England he had a dominant boundary receiver to work with. Certainly he's had a lot of great other receivers throughout that time. A lot of them were slot guys, right? Of course, you know, we saw what Wes Welker did there for a long while, what Julian Edelman did there for a long time. So the evidence of him with a dominant boundary receiver speaks volumes of what he's capable of. I've always thought he's an excellent play caller, an excellent uh, designer, uh, a schemer, if you will. And, and I'll say this on, on Josh McDaniels. I've been going on radio shows for years now, well before the Raiders hired McDaniels, and telling people that the league's opinion of Josh McDaniels is significantly higher than the average fan's opinion of Josh McDaniels. And I know the situation with the Colts, leaving them at the altar. It certainly hurt his reputation among fans, among the general public, but it didn't hurt his reputation as much as people think it did within league circles. Teams, right. you know, they understood that decision. They remained extremely high on Josh McDaniels. Teams have continuously tried to hire Josh McDaniels to be their head coach even after that debacle happened in Indianapolis. So I think this is a really good football coach, an offensive-minded leader, a brilliant play designer that's really going to put Devontae Adams in some terrific positions this season. Another piece that you put out, the Y Raiders, Trayvon Merrick is poised for a breakout 2022 season. And I'll say this, a full disclosure, I'm a Trayvon Merrick fan. I believe that he's a heck of a player. I liked it when he was at TCU. I used to cover the Big 12, so I knew what the Raiders were getting in him. And I thought he had a really good, not great, but a good uh, a rookie year with the silver and black. I think he had a few opportunities to come down with some interceptions that he didn't get. But I've talked to him already this offseason leading into training camp. He seems more confident, more just kind of under control. Like he understands the game, understands what the NFL is all about. Why do you believe that he's in line for a breakout season in 2022? Yeah, it's funny. I'm starting to feel like the resident uh, Raiders writer, right, for the Draft <laughs> Network. We've had, <laughs> had several pieces of, over the last couple of weeks on the Raiders. I'll, I'll start with this. You know, that piece, it didn't have to be about Trayvon. I was tasked with, you know, combing through the Raiders roster and identifying a player that I believe is going to be a breakout star for them. So I identified Trayvon um, as that player. And I won't lie to you, I thought about going with a couple of others. Nate Hobbs is another one that, that yeah. came to mind. But the weight of expectations can be a really funny thing, right? Because I felt like Nate Hobbs last year. And I'll tell you why I went with Trayvon and not with Hobbs. 
I felt like Hobbs got the credit that he deserved last season. He's terrific, right? Don't get me wrong. But he got the credit that he deserved to a degree because it's always exciting, right, and interesting to talk about a day three player that sort of comes out of nowhere and shocks the world, right, by how well they play as a rookie. So I thought that created a lot of attention for Hobbs. Whereas Trayvon, on the flip side, I thought maybe he didn't get the credit that he deserved because he was an early second-round pick. You know, you kind of expect him to come in and play and contribute immediately. So even though he did all of those things, maybe it, quote-unquote, wasn't as sexy to talk about him as it was some of the other players. So that's why I identified Trayvon. I thought he was very good as a rookie, and I think he's going to get even better, right? Throughout that article, you you asked me why I sort of uh, see that for him. Uh, I talked a lot about defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Right, who's coached so many incredible defensive backs throughout his career, some of the ones I outlined uh, in that article throughout his time in New England, even you know Green Bay and uh, a short spin in Miami. He's coached a lot of really great defensive backs, even with the New York Giants, right, who weren't a very good team, uh, but had guys like Xavier McKinney and Jabril Peppers, so, yeah. uh, who had career years you know, under Coach Graham. So I look at the scheme he runs, a, a lot of zone coverage mixed in there, more so than man, that's going to allow Trayvon to do what he does best. And you said it, Q. You covered him at TCU. We all, you know, we watch the draft network, of course. We watch the tape at TCU. That was my top safety in that draft class, right? You go back and put on that tape, you see the potential to be an elite uh, ball hawking safety, right? So I think Coach Graham is going to allow him to play back, play some of that, you know, that quote-unquote center field um, type of position where he can read opposing quarterbacks. He's got the sideline to sideline speed and coverage abilities to do that, to read quarterbacks, to go get the football. And don't forget, you know, if his safety partner, you know, Jonathan Abram is healthy this year, I think those are two guys that complement each other really well, right? Because while Trayvon can play that role, uh, Abram has often done his best work towards the line of scrimmage. Right, right, being right. the physical mauler, that, uh, sort of mauler, so to speak, that he is, a guy that impacts the run game, can cover guys in the slot. And, and Trayvon can come downhill and do some of that as well. And I imagine in some of those high-level matchups, they might ask him to cover uh, Travis Kelsey towards the line of scrimmage, right? Because obviously that's a tough task for anybody, but if there's a safety in this league that, that's capable of doing it, I believe Trayvon is one of those guys um, certainly that's well on his way. And again, you look at the division, another reason I kind of identified him as a breakout candidate, give me a lot of opportunities, right, for him to make plays on the ball, right? You're talking about playing against Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson six times, right? Six out of your 17 games are going to be against three of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And of course, they've got some other, you know, star quarterbacks on their schedule. So he's going to have a lot of opportunities to do what he does best. And I really think by, you know, no, no, even November, December into January, we're really going to be talking about this kid as having a breakout year. You know, the Raiders as a whole, their secondary only had six interceptions a year ago, and, and Trayvon Merrick had or one of them. You know, he, he only had one. Uh, he had opportunity to come down with a couple more. Uh, do you believe that he's a guy who has the opportunity to, to really lead this team in interceptions? Uh, I absolutely do. And, you know, the, it's funny, the first thing you say – that comes to mind when you ask me that question. I had a very similar conversation last year uh, with Titan superstar Kevin Byer. Right, Kevin yeah. Byer. Kevin yeah. and I were talking about you know the year before last year. So I'm talking about 2020. If you go look up his numbers, Kevin didn't have a lot of interceptions that year, right? And you know he had had a ton, I believe, the year before that. But 2020, for whatever reason. The ball just wasn't falling his way. And I talked to Kevin about that and said, I said look, you're a guy um, that's got his hands on the football a lot throughout his career. You did so in college at Middle Tennessee State, had a ton of interceptions. 
why do you think that didn't happen for you in 2020? And, and Kevin looked at me and he said, look, and again, this was before the 2021 season. He looked at me and he said, you know, things just, sometimes they just don't fall your way or you're not gambling as much. The most important thing is you keep your head in your playbook. You understand your defense. You understand your assignment. And you're also confident enough to make adjustments on the fly. Right. That's some, that's something that sometimes leads to a lot of interceptions. Right. And lo and behold, Bayard came back in 2021. He made a ton of interceptions for the Titans. Right. He made one uh, on primetime against the Rams against Matthew Stafford, where he kind of, where he kind of called his own play on the fly. Right. He kind of baited Matt Stafford into a throw because he knew through his film study, he knew what Stafford was looking at and he baited him into a throw. And I believe he returned it for a pick six. If my memory serves me correctly. So when I think of, when I think of Trayvon Merrick, I sort of think of the same thing. I think of a guy that all he has to do is, is not panic about it. Cause when I spoke with Kevin Byard about it, he wasn't panicked. You don't panic. You keep your head in the playbook. You know your defense. You know those opportunities are going to come to you this season. Just like, as you said, a couple of them came last year. They didn't get made heck. It, it is what it is, but right. you know, they're going to come to you again this season. You know your defense, you know your playbook, you're comfortable with your coaching staff. More importantly, you're comfortable with your teammates. You understand everybody's assignment. You know what their roles are on defense, and you're going to go out and make those plays. And I feel really good saying that Trayvon is certainly going to make more than one interception this coming season. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I'm excited about the opportunities because I knew, know he's a really talented young man, and I thought he was going to be a first-round pick, ultimately dropped to the Raiders in round two. I thought they got a steal. Let me ask you this before we let you go, Justin. Patrick Graham, he's known as a guy that has different schemes and will disguise what's coming, you know, as far as blitzing guys, guys that, that get after the quarterback that aren't necessarily pass rushers. How exotic or how, how creative do you think Patrick Graham will get defensively with the Raiders? You know, I'll say this. I think he'll, he'll get fairly creative, but I don't think he's going to overcomplicate things. I'll tell you one thing he's really excited about having is he's got now, what is, what do they give him? He's got two edge rushers that yes. can really pin their ears back and go get the quarterback, right? Uh, Max Crosby and of course signing Chandler Jones to that, that contract in free agency. So I don't think he's going to, a lot of coaches will tell you a lot of times blitzing. It's a result of a negative, right? We're, we have to blitz because we can't get after the quarterback rushing four, right? So when I, when I look at this division again, playing in the AFC West, I, I know I may sound like a broken record, but what's it going to be? It's going to be a high-scoring division with quarterbacks that love to throw the football. You got hell, you got three top ten opposing quarterbacks, right, in this division that you're going to play against on a on a healthy basis. When you reach the level of a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes, sometimes these quarterbacks, they obliterate blitzes. They obliterate pressure, right? They stand right there. They find their open man, and they deliver the ball on time officially. They get it out of their hands. I think the Raiders will be best served to trust their defensive line to uh, cause havoc in the backfield. If you look, every defensive coordinator will tell you, if we can get pressure with four, that means we can drop seven, right? And when you drop seven... There aren't many throwing lanes for the quarterback to identify, right, and deliver the football. So if they can get pressure with their four, especially with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, I don't think Patrick Graham will be overly aggressive. I don't think that's been his M.O. throughout his career. And when it has, I think it was more of a result of not having the type of dogs that he needed to run his preferred defense. So playing in this division, you know, there are some questions there still at linebacker for the Raiders. Maybe a couple questions in the secondary we're still figuring out. I think they're going to need to drop seven on a healthy basis. And But luckily enough for them, they've got the four dogs up front to go create pressure and get after the quarterback. Yeah, they really do. It's something to get excited about. I think you got all Raider Nation all fired up. And like you said, I think you might be the official writer for Raider Nation <laughs> and all things Raider. You got anything coming out on the Draft Network we need to be on the lookout for? 
Yeah, lots of things coming up. I, I don't know about from a from a from a Raiders perspective. We might be tapped out for now, but uh, <laughs> got something coming on Trevor Lawrence tomorrow. Okay. Uh, that that's really exciting. Similar article to what I did on Trayvon, identifying Trevor Lawrence as a breakout star uh, for Jacksonville. Got a, an interview. If you're an NFL draft guy, just had a really lengthy sit down with Boston College quarterback Phil Dracovich, who is one of the most intriguing senior quarterbacks in this class. That is going live tomorrow morning, Friday, on the Draft Network, an interview with me and Phil Dracovich. I also actually did something uh, looking at uh, the Chargers, and I know Raiders fans may not want to hear this, but I wrote a, a very lengthy article on what it would take for the Chargers to have a successful season or what would be deemed okay. a successful season. So if you, want, if you do want to do your homework on the AFC West, on your fellow uh, rivals, a uh, lengthy, lengthy discussion about the Chargers roster uh, going live tomorrow morning on the Draft Network. I'll tell you what, Justin, doing the homework is good, and, and I have no problem doing the homework, so we'll definitely check that article out. Thank you so much for your time, man. Great stuff as always. I appreciate you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Pleasure is mine as always. Thank you, my man. Justin Mello right there from the Draft Network. If that didn't just put a little bit of energy into your veins, right? I mean, just injected it straight into your veins. It's like he took it, put it in that hypodermic needle, and boom, put it right in your arm. Justin Mello from the Draft Network on Twitter at Justin N at Justin M underscore NFL. We're here live at the Thomas and Mack Center, the site of Summer League, and you can hear boxes dropping. You can hear folks walking. You can hear all kinds of things going on. The action will take place pretty soon. We'll come back and talk more about it as we close out hour number one of Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Just got a couple minutes here before the top of the hour. And Bucky Brooks from NFL.com, former Raider. Also does a lot of draft. Works for Raiders.com as well. Put out a piece probably a couple weeks back now at this point. But we've been working on trying to get him on the show. And I'm excited about talking to him. Put out a piece on Alex Leatherwood and Trayvon Merrick, and he just heard some great things from Justin Mello uh, from the Draft Network on Trayvon Merrick. He believes he has an opportunity to be a breakout player. Uh, I do, too. I really do. I've been very high on Trayvon Merrick since they drafted him. I Honestly, it was so funny going back to the draft. I thought that Merrick would have been the number 17 overall pick, and Leatherwood had the opportunity to be the number 43 overall pick. They just swapped positions. you know. So, And, and really, it's so funny because the outrage from the, the draft is like, what are you doing in the first round? If it had been flopped around, nobody would have even blinked twice. They'd say, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Leatherwood, second-round pick, and Merrick, first round. Okay, great. Merrick played a lot of football in year one. So I do think that he's going to have an opportunity to really do some good things in year two with the silver and black. Uh, you know, now he's changing defensive coordinators. The scheme will change a little bit. His responsibilities will change a little bit. But at the end of the day, he's a football player. At the end of the day, he's a safety. At the end of the day, what did Charles Woodson always say? See ball, get ball. That's what it's all about, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. See ball, get ball. So I do understand where folks think that he has an opportunity to be a big-time player this upcoming year. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that Justin pointed out, the fact that Patrick Graham has worked with some pretty big pretty big names as far as the, the safety position goes. So that is also something to think about. He's got some really good guys that he's worked with that are playmakers, you know, Devin McCourty, uh, Patrick Chung, uh, Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Landon Collins, just to name a few. You know, those are standout safeties. And so now he's got an opportunity with a young uh, Trayvon Merrick. That, that should be really good. I uh, want to get to a quick text right now from uh, Sir Whiskey Ray. He hit us up, said, Q, DeMond held down the radio airways with ease, and us, and us listeners are very thankful for that. But, Q, please don't let that happen again. We all know how DeMond could choke under pressure. Sincerely, momentum, DeMond's high school basketball skills, and Kayla. <laughs> 
Had to get a good funny in, man. You can always count on Sir Whiskey Ray to get a good funny in, even when DeMond does come through like the first of the month and really hold it down. And, again, I do appreciate DeMond and all his fine efforts. Was fully prepared to rock and roll. Even if even if I had never made it, he would have been able to hold it down. Uh, got, a, got a tweet from uh, Lil Al Davis. He said that interview with Justin by uh, Q on Radio Nation Radio was straight fire. Justin brought the fire and passion, very insightful and plenty of nuggets, informative as hell. And that's exactly what we try to do each and every day here on the radio show. That's why we have these good guests and we try to go and get the best guests that we can get because we do want to get all the great insights. Speaking of great insight, our next guest, Bucky Brooks, he's been part of the organization. Once a Raider, always a Raider. He does a lot of draft, uh, you know, deep diving into the draft with Daniel Jeremiah, his draft partner. He works for NFL.com, NFL Network. He also works at Raiders.com. So he wears a lot of hats, including our next guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, live from the Thomas and Mack Center, the site of Summer League.